Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. And my guest today is the most interesting man in the league heading up to the trade deadline. It is Brendan. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, despite, you know, my team plummeting uh, to the depths of Sheol, basically, but I'm, I'm doing very well. Uh, can you give us any hints as to what way you're leaning heading towards the, uh, the trade deadline? We're less than two matchups away now. Um, I, I, I could give you hints, but I'm probably not going to. Oh, that's but. fine. That's what I expected, but I, yeah. I had to try. So let's yeah. jump into it. Uh, what did you have for your biggest upset? Well, my biggest upset this week, I picked, um, the pretty petite princesses, you know, taking down Courtney. There was a little bit of talk in the group chat about it. Um, and I was, sort of room for the underdog but Courtney's been you know been on fire all year but starting to slow down a little bit and I thought of that you know the princess uh that whole team is a good story to the end of the year you know hasn't had the easiest year but coming in and beating Courtney I thought that that was for sure my pick for the biggest upset this last matchup yeah it's hard to pick against that one I had the same one uh not a whole lot more to add this was Definitely something we didn't expect, but I would like to say that I would advocate that this is the reason why we should move to one week playoffs instead of two week playoffs. Personally, even though this wouldn't benefit me for the most part, uh, I would like to see more upsets in the playoffs. I think for our league in the past couple of years, there's been a lot of chalk and I would like to see that change. I think for one week playoffs that a lot more upsets can happen. And uh, yeah, I would like to move towards those. So I think this is one of the reasons why. Uh, I'm 100% for that. Are you? That's like my bread and butter is upsetting Nate in the playoffs or someone in the playoffs once a year after having an insanely mediocre season. So, of course, I would love it if it was, you know, more luck was introduced to it, basically. Yeah, I just think, like, I would like to see more upsets. This, is, this was a really fun week to see a team like Jordan knock off Courtney, who's been, on t- who's been in first place for most of the year. And I, I would like to see more underdogs in the playoffs because a two-week matchup really does benefit the better team. And while that does seem like it would be – I mean, that's really something you want in the playoffs for the most part. I just – I don't know. Upsets are a lot of fun. And I would like yeah. to see – I would like to see a Cinderella story go pretty deep in the playoffs. And I think that I, I one-week matchup makes that a lot easier to happen. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there because I know I've talked to a couple people, but I haven't really made my pitch for it. And that would be – this would be it. But, I mean, you're the commissioner, right? Can't I mean the buck stops here, right? You got it. Yeah, I mean, I I try to put everything to a vote because that's uh, I mean, if I if I just started making decisions myself, then Sam would probably feel bad because there's no more use for the tiny pole guy. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about Sam. I never really do, but yeah, that makes sense. What what do you have for your biggest takeaway? Um, let's see. My biggest takeaway is that, um, if Louis, Louis, is it Louis or Louis Castillo? I think it's Louis, right? Louis. Louis It's Louis Castillo. Louis. Yeah. I'm very well ventured in this. My biggest takeaway is that if Louis Castillo continues to perform as he has been performing, that Nate is probably the best team in the league, in my opinion. Um, I think that really he was just like one pitcher away I know Kershaw is injured right now uh, with a forearm but I think he was one pitcher away from having a like lights out 
um, starting pitching group, and he has really good relievers as well, in my opinion. And his offense has just been going off. You know, if Luis Castillo can fill that sort of like last role and become the pitcher he was last year, then I don't see why um, I would pick against anyone else for Nate to be the best team in the league. That's unfortunate. I hate saying that um, because, you know, it makes me sick to say that Nate is better than me at this, but he's having a great season. And Castillo is a guy that I almost got actually a couple weeks ago, and then Sam had to ruin it. But uh, that's uh, really unfortunate. But I love Luis Castillo, and I think that he's just having a nice little run, rounding into form, and that's uh, not good news for people in the West Division. I'll say that much. Yeah, kind of to go off that, my biggest takeaway is that Nate is going to win the West Division. He's on a roll right now. Uh, Courtney's team has been hit pretty hard by a lot of injuries recently. She just lost you, Darvish, uh, Bregman, and Trout, and now Acuna is out for the year. That's going to her offense, which we were kind of gave her a pretty high floor, really taking a hit. And uh, without Darvish, I don't know that she her pitching's still good, but I don't know that it's not going to be it's not going to be elite and. Uh, if she doesn't turn it around soon, Nate's only – I think he's only two games back now. It really is only one week. But yeah, I think that Nate is going to win the West, and that is a big deal because the winner of that division doesn't have to play Mike in the first round. And I think I've said before, I think that Mike is definitely a very tough out in round one. I wouldn't want to play him at all, really. Uh, yeah. So Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, you know, the West division is, you know, shaping up to – be a pretty good uh, run here with the big three. And then, you know, Sam and I, I know Sam's more selling, but Sam and I sort of limping along. Um, but yeah, that big three, ever since Mike has decided to make, I, I was, it's always confusing to me whenever people make a lot of moves throughout the season. Um, I sort of attribute it with like panicking more often, but you know, the past couple of moves that Mike has made, I think have really helped his team a lot and solidified him as a legitimate contender. So all three of those teams, you know, if Courtney's team gets a little bit more healthy, Nate obviously is rolling and big money Mike, if he keeps on performing as he is, I mean, that's just an insane division with uh, basically three lions and then three little cats behind it with me, Sam and Eddie. A couple of you guys might make the playoffs though. Oh yeah. I'll, I'm planning on making the playoffs, but, and, you know, doing the same thing I always do upset one person, make them mad. Hopefully that's fun. And then we'll ride the, Ride the train for as long as we can here. Yeah, so maybe it's not good to win the West Division because then you got to face Brendan in the first round. You know he's always good for one, one upset. Yeah. Let's move on to a. Uh, I go ahead. I just said, don't bet against me. Right, let's move on to recent trades. Our first one is Mike gives Chris Paddock and Marcus Simeon. Nick gives Cody Bellinger and Tariq Skubal. Brandon, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really like Chris Paddock still. I think that he's a, a very interesting pitcher. Um, I know it's been an up and down year, but I, I personally like the get of Chris Paddock. I mean, you can say the same thing about Bellinger. It's been an up and down year for Bellinger. Um, you know, he's, had over a hundred, he's like at 120 at bats and his average is below the Mendoza line. So he's having a rough go of it, but you know, you're counting on him to back or to um, 
bounce back and with Scooball, uh, I mean, I think he's a pretty good pitcher. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I understand why both teams made the trade. Um, you know, if you're Mike, then you're basically relying on the, the fact that Cody Bellinger will be the guy that he's always been. And then you're sort of getting a, a, a pretty good pitcher with Scooball. And if you're, um, if you're pine run market, obviously then, um, you know, if you're Nick, then you're looking at, again, a guy who I really like in Chris Paddock and Marcus Simeon is always, you know, pretty reliable. So, um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty even trade just because of name recognition. I might give the edge to Mike on this one. Yeah. I think I fall on the other side, but it is close. I, I it's mostly because I trust Simeon the most out of everybody in this trade. Um, yeah. I don't know about Bellinger. It's just he seems like he seems like he has a lot of injury issues. Then you got all this. It feels like it. He tinkers with his swing all the time. I just feel like it'd be hard to get into a groove that way. Uh, Tariq Skubal and Chris Paddock. It's pretty close for me. Skubal since uh, the since Sticky Gate sort of started, he's seen his spin rates drop a lot. But maybe there is something there. It's kind of stunted the breakout a little bit. Uh, well, Chris Paddock has just been getting hammered lately, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's I, I was on him earlier in the year. He seems like he's kind of been like every every time he seems like he's getting he's on the upswing, he comes crashing back down with a just, after just getting bludgeoned by a team. But I think yeah, I favor Nick's. Go ahead. I was gonna say Paddock is just an interesting player. You know, like just in general, I think that he really is sort of a hot and cold kind of guy. I mean, even in the games that he wins his, you know, he gives up, it's not like he's, you know, there hasn't been a, a outing this season I can call where he's like really shutting people down and shutting people out. Um, and his strikeout numbers, like he's had a couple good um, outings with like eight or pl- eight plus strikeouts, but for the most part, they're kind of down. I, he's just a very, he's so, he's just interesting. He's one of those guys that, you know, I think whenever he's on, he's, a really, really good starting pitcher that you would have no doubt about putting in your lineup. But he's also one of those guys that whenever he's off, he's, I, I don't, he's obviously just not playable. So, I mean, as you can see with the last, what, three out of the last four outings, he's like in the negative. So he's just an interesting player. Um, I would like him on my team, but probably not. I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's a really tough trade. I think you said it's close and Simeon's probably the most reliable, but Again, if Bellinger bounces back, then I don't think this trade is quite as close. But yeah, if Bellinger bounces back, then I would definitely give the edge to Mike. I just I don't know that I see that happening because it's been it's been a while now since we've seen him play at an elite level. I'm not sure that yeah. he's able to get back there quite so easily as we might think. But we'll move on to the next one. Uh, this one was only two players. This is Scott gives Brad Hand and Nate gives Max Kepler. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say I thought this was pretty even. I I don't really care for Kepler as a keeper if that's what he was being sold as. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he's a serviceable outfielder. I just maybe it's like a utility option. And then on a lot of teams, he can probably you could probably slide him into center or right field. But uh, Brad Hand, his peripherals aren't really that great this season. So I think that this was a fine return. Uh, he's going to get a lot, lot of opportunities with Washington and yeah, I thought this was pretty even. I didn't have a, I didn't really have a strong feeling about it either way. Uh, Brennan, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I, 
I always like, you know, teams that are trying to go all in. And I think that this is a, this, this is a trade that makes a lot of sense for Nate. Uh, really rounding out that relief pitching core. I, I personally really like Brad hand. I just like people that get constant save opportunities. I know that relief pitching is um, it's usually not like you, you don't really value it as much. And I, I, that's why, I mean, that's why I have two uh, starting or SPRP people in. I think that that's way more important, but that being said, you, you still like to have one guy that's going to go out there and get saves for you. And I mean, you just look at Brad hand. I think he has like something crazy, like 15 or 16 straight uh, conversions on his save. So He's reliable. I'm kind of with you on Kepler. Um, I don't know. I, he, he has a low average and not, I don't, I, I don't think I would keep him in the round that he would have to be kept anyway. Um, I understand why you make the trade. If you're Eddie, you know, if you, you know, maybe he knows something that we don't, he sees something in the stats that we're not seeing, but I think that this is uh, more of a win for Nate than it is for Eddie. It was Scott who made the trade with Nate. Oh, I, I always I always see the E and I think Eddie, but yeah, it's Scott. You're right. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next one. We got Nick gives Ty France and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Scott gives Adam Wainwright and Adam Frazier. Uh, what'd you think of this one? I love Adam Frazier, so I'm always going to be going uh, with uh, Nick. I think that uh, again, Adam Frazier is just sort of in the almost in the Chris Paddock level for me. For so just interesting, he just gets on base all the time. I mean, he has a, I think is is on base. Let me look. I'm, yeah, it's like three ninety seven right now. So it's just he just gets on base like crazy. Um, Adam Wainwright is uh, he's having a good couple like outings recently. I don't. I always think of it like, um, and this is maybe letting you a little bit into how I evaluate pitching sometimes, but I always sort of think like, would I be comfortable putting this person in the top five in like a playoff matchup? I'm not sure if I would with Adam Rainwright, um, just because I think he's he's having a, a, a pretty good season, but I don't know. Um, so I, I like that return for, you know, Nick, you're getting two uh, really good players. Um and with, you know, Ty France, uh, I think that's also a good get. I mean, I, I, I get why you're getting him as a keeper, like him as a keeper. And I I personally don't like Loris Gurriel, but that's just more because his hair is just insane. Um, I'm not a fan of the hair, but he's a fine baseball player. So I think this one's fairly even. Um, again, I like buying more than selling. So I'll give the edge to Nick just because I like Adam Frazier so much. Yeah, this felt like a this felt like a a good return for Nick for two kind of fringe keepers in Ty France and Lourdes Curiel. They're both sort of I think they're both kind of just lottery tickets where like if Lourdes Curiel gets back to what he was last year, maybe you keep him. Whereas with Ty France, it's kind of the same deal where uh, if he shows what he did in the first month was legit and he kind of finishes hot, maybe you could keep him. And then this kind of feels right because Adam Frazier, I think you can start him, but he's probably not. He's not somebody I would say is a fantasy stud and neither is Adam Wainwright. He's kind of just a plug and play with, with uh, depending on the matchup. Yeah. So I thought this was pretty, pretty even for me. Uh, so moving on to our, our segment this week, since it is all-star week, uh, we're going to be picking divisional all-star teams. Uh, Brennan and I will be picking the lineups for each division. Uh, the only rule is that each team has to be represented like in the major league all-star game. 
Uh, Brennan will pick the West Division All-Stars, so that includes players from his, Sam's, Nate's, Courtney's, Eddie's, and Mike's teams. And then I'll be picking the East Division, which is from mine, Jordan, Nick, JC, Jerwin, and Scott's. Uh, the starting lineup is just going to be our normal lineup and pitching staff, so that would be just catcher, first base, second base, third base, and so forth, uh, down to utility. And then we have five starting pitchers and four reliever spots. Uh I, this was, I thought this would be a pretty fun segment to do, but I also was kind of surprised at how uh, when I was trying to pick the lineup, I was like, oh, man, I really I didn't think I would have to leave that guy out, but I don't have a spot for him. And then uh, finding, a, finding a spot for Scott's guy was definitely a challenge, too. Uh, so we'll start at catcher. Uh, Brennan, who do you have? So I was in between JT and uh, the person I eventually picked, so – um, I ended up going against JT Real Muto just because I feel like that would be going on name recognition more than anything this year. Um, so who I ended up picking was um, Sam's catcher, Buster Posey. Um, I, it's just another interesting player to me. I think obviously he's hurt right now. He should maybe be back by the end of the all-star break, but um, he's not striking out all that much. And He's a player that's going to get you, you know, hopefully a couple points uh, every day that he's out there um, or he'll just get you zero. Like he's, he's rarely in the negative. So for catcher, I think that's sort of the best that you can, uh, that you can ask for. And, um, you know, between the two of them, if I would rather have JT or Buster on my team right now, I'd probably, I guess, go with Buster Posey. Although catchers in the West division is kind of hard to pick one, to be honest. Yeah, I had a really easy time picking mine. I picked Salvador Perez from JC's team. It's not because he's really doing anything great. It's just he's the number one catcher in fantasy for total points. But that's more of that's more a product of him playing every day than him hitting the juice out of the ball. Yeah, yeah he's only averaging two point one five fantasy points per game, but cumulative, he plays about every day. Uh, it's catcher is just a mess this year. I think the fact that he's number one kind of says more about the catcher landscape than it does about him, but it, it's just been a total disaster this year with uh, it, even the guys who we thought might be elite are like, I'm thinking Wilson Contreras, uh, even, even somebody like Gary Sanchez, it's yeah. just brutal. Uh, it's well, brutal out there. Sort of rounding in, I guess a little bit with the power. Um, I, I can't remember a time that a catcher in this league was over three points Per game since I had Carson Kelly before he got hurt and then he just never really recovered after that but I mean that's the last person I can think of who was even averaging more than three points a game it's just it's basically a plug and play at this point with who you have I mean whoever you have is really can't be worse than anyone that's on waivers at this point yeah I think what I think you kind of have to take the attitude kind of like you said with Buster Posey where you got you just want guys who are at worst going to give you a zero because yeah. a lot of these guys will give you negatives because they're, you know, they're valued for their defense. They're not, they're not there to, to hit for the most part. Yeah. All right. So moving on to first base, uh, who'd you have here? Um, this one's from Nate's team. I think that this one's pretty easy for me to pick Matt Olson. Um, just really going off this year. I think that he's having a good year. Um, he's a guy that I really like for his power but i also like the fact that he is just an, again a guy that is able to get on base really well um 
I personally think that he's having a really good seat, really good season. He's having his, he's really having an insane bounce back season. I always love a good bounce back story. You know, 2020 was really rough for him where he was hitting under 200. It's coming back this year and just really proving people wrong. So I'm a big Matt Olson fan in general, and I'm a big uh, supporter of him on Nate's team. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Matt Olson for the next pick in my all-star lineup. Yeah. I don't think there was any other pick there. He was, he's, he's having a breakout year, especially in terms of plate discipline. Like we kind of talked about a couple years ago, it's completely transformed his game. Uh, I picked another guy who's having a breakout. This should be probably the most obvious hitter pick. Cause I think he's the top hitter. And he's pretty sure he's still the top hitter. Uh, and that's Vlad Guerrero for my team. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely deserves it. Uh, really not a whole lot more to add, I think, because we talked about him a lot last week. But, yeah, Vlad Guerrero having an insane season and definitely a guy that I want on my all-star team here. Uh, second base, who do you have here? Yeah, so I'm going again from Nate's team, and this is, again, sort of why in my um, standout from the week is that Nate's team is an absolute juggernaut. Um, I've – really love a villain sometimes and Jose Altuve sort of fit in that um that box this year so I'm gonna go ahead and pick Jose Altuve um you know the power is coming in big waves which I think is good you know he has 20 home runs on the season he walks a decent amount he gets on base a lot um I just think that he's a really complete second baseman and I absolutely loved what he did against the Yankees um what was it like a couple nights ago where he took or they ripped the shirt off and everything. I thought that was awesome. So um, I'm going to go with Altuve just because I like a good villain story. And I think that he's obviously just been raking over the past couple um, past couple weeks. And I have always been a really big Jose Altuve fan. So I'm going to go ahead and pick him. Yeah, it's always when you're when you're not that tall like I am, you always have to root for the guys that are shorter than you. Sure. That makes sense. I wouldn't know, but yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I know for sure that you're like, what, like five, three, five, two. So oh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He looks like the Jose Altuve of old though. It's, it's pretty, it's been a pretty impressive turnaround. Cause I think we kind of thought that that guy was gone forever Yeah. where, and now he's roaring back. He looks like the first rounder, the perennial first rounder he was from like 2017 to 2018 or 2019, something like that. Uh, so my second baseman that I picked, though, is a guy that we talked about a little earlier. He's a newcomer in our division, uh, Marcus Simeon. Uh, he's having a bounce back year. He um, he kind of he struggled a lot last year. Year before that, he was maybe like the second or third overall. Uh, I know he's in the top ten anyways. He was he was up there in terms of the just overall hitter, not just a shortstop. But yeah, he's having a bounce back year. Any any exposure you can get to the Blue Jays lineup is great at this point the whole lineup right now is just on fire and uh he's definitely a big part of it the power numbers have really come back and uh yeah he looks like he, he looks like maybe he's validating the the breakout from two years ago 2019 uh moving on to third base brennan who did you have here yeah so i um this one was a little bit tougher for me but i ended up picking jose ramirez um I know he's sort of been a little streaky, but he's been really hot as of late. And I'm going to say that he's going to ride that. Um, I, I personally, again, another player that I just happen to really like, I'm maybe I'm just picking players. I like, I don't know, but uh, Jose Ramirez is a really um, 
elite hitter in my opinion um with a solid average uh also with good power statistics doesn't strike out you know an obscene amount um i just think that he's a he's a really solid player um and i think that it's an easy get i mean he had a great season last year. he's really just had i i mean it's been like five straight years of really consistent good fancy baseball seasons so um you know i think that he's basically a lock as a top certainly top 10 probably top five third baseman in the league and i i really like him so i will go ahead and pick jose yeah he's been rock steady for a number of years he had that weird half season i think in 2019 where he just not nothing was working for him but other well, than that then, he's I'm just been... at it even then yeah you're right he had basically half the appearances that he had in 2000 or in 2019 he's still over three points a game i mean the last yeah, time he, he was under three points a game in fantasy was 2015 yeah he, he's all you can ask for out of a first round pick he's probably one of the safest picks you can have in yeah. in the early rounds uh my third baseman that i picked was the guy that he was traded for in this league and that is rafael devers from jordan's team kind of uh, he ch- what's that I was hoping you would do that for the story. Yeah, that's right. So we got a little bit, I guess, a little bit of a rivalry maybe with these these two players being connected that way. But yeah, he's he's uh he's kind of validated his own breakout. Uh, he's at three point one nine points per game. He's the twelfth overall hitter. Uh, at only twenty four, he still has a lot. He, he still probably isn't even in his prime yet. But yeah, he he uh he's a guy that was really struggled out of the gate in one league that I was in. Uh, he was actually dropped, but he turned it around in a big way. And now he's up over, like I said, he's up near 3.2 points a game. And he's also a keeper on top of that. I know that doesn't really mean anything for this exercise, but uh, Jordan's probably got got himself a, a cornerstone for the next one or two years. I don't remember how many more years he's eligible. But now we go to the shortstops. This is one of the deepest positions in all of fantasy. So I'm interested to see who you picked here. Oh, I thought this was a slam dunk for me. I'm always going to go with Tatis. Um, I love Fernando Tatis Jr. If uh, Mike doesn't know, he should be thanking me every single day that Fernando Tatis Jr. is on his team because I was an idiot and traded him away. What was it like two years ago for Brad Peacock? I just looked. Um, That was the trade. It was a one for one Fernando Tatis Jr. for Brad Peacock, I think to Jordan in like 2019. One of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. Um, But Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, he's just a stud. If I I know with fantasy that we don't account, you know, defense into it, but he's an elite defenseman. I mean, did you see the grab that he made a couple of days ago or whatever it was the double jump? That was insane. Um, I just, I, He's so cool. I love him. He's just such a good player, a great ambassador for the game. He's hitting over um, uh, 286. He gets on base. I sound like Billy Bean here, but he gets on base all the time. I love a good uh, player that gets on base because that's going to yield you easy points in fantasy. He's hitting over four points a game right now. I mean, all the numbers look you know, good, and they're trending upwards for him to be another. Is he available? Is he being kept again this year? Yeah, yeah, he, I think he yeah. has one more year left. Oh, what a terrible trade. Brad Peacock for Fernando, whatever. Um, you, I mean, it's just, he's a stud. Um, he's trending in the right direction. He's 
He's going to be kept again by Mike and as he should be. Uh, I really wish I had him because I don't have a shortstop, but um, you know, Brad Peacock probably got, you know, two good starts from me back in 2019 that helped me win a playoff game. So I guess I can't complain too much. Do you happen to remember who, because I was also negotiating for Tatis around that same time. Do you remember your trade that you offered to me that was, that I declined because it was too much? I don't, but I bet it would make you feel silly. Uh, it does. It was uh, an, an injured Andrew Benintendi and Michael Chavis. Yeah. I said that was too much for Tatis. Yeah. You know, part of me, I, I used to offer people this year and I mean, he has done absolutely nothing to validate being on any roster, but Christian Pache, I would sort of like throw him in as like, Hey, maybe this will be a keeper. And my justification was always, you know, no one wanted Tatis back in the day, but I was right about him. So maybe I'm right about Christian Pache too, but uh, that's probably. Well, I mean, like, were you right about him if you traded him for Brad Peacock? Well, I was right about him in the sense that I think that he would be a good keeper. And Brad Peacock was the only, it's not like I wanted to trade him for Brad Peacock. I mean, I wanted a player like Ben Intendi, but again, that was apparently too steep of a, of a hill for you to climb. But um, yeah, I mean, there have been a series of bad decisions I've made. That's just number one though. <laughs> it is always funny to look back on some of these trades and be like, man, why did I do that? Or why didn't I do that? And it's just, it's tough sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my my shortstop was somebody who uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago too, and that's uh, Trey Turner from Jarowin's team. Uh, I think that he has kind of separated himself from the other shortstops as the clear number two behind Tatis. Uh, he's really evolved into a much better overall hitter recently. Uh, he's no longer just kind of the the speed guy or like the Roto specialist. He is a really well-rounded hitter now. He hits for power average, kind of does it all. And it's, but for our for our league especially, it uh, doesn't really strike out that much. He hits a lot of doubles. His speed kind of plays up in a way where he's able to get extra bases, and that really helps us in our format. So, yeah, Trey Turner is uh, definitely a pretty clear first-rounder, in my opinion. And uh, I definitely think he's the he's the top choice here. In a, in a division where... We do have a lot of good shortstops over here. We also have Bichette. Uh, I could have used Simeon at shortstop, too. Uh, I guess those are the only two that I put down on my show. Carlos Correa as well on my team. But, yeah, uh, Trey Turner, very good. Don't sleep on him. Don't let him drop to the second round next year like he did this year. Uh, Moving on to left field. Brennan, who do you have there? Yeah, so this one was actually interesting because it was sort of re- uh, it was making me reevaluate the deal that I made with Mike in terms of left fielders for whatever reason, it seems like whenever I was going through all the teams, left field's kind of a shallow position in the West. Um, the two that stood out to me the most are honestly Austin Meadows and Juan Soto. And um, I, I, I ended up picking Soto for Mike's team um, just purely because he's of course, ever since I traded him, he's turning into the player that, uh, he was supposed to be as a first-round draft pick. He's absolutely crushing the ball, which is fun. And uh, loved seeing the home run derby, him versus Otani. That was awesome to watch. But, I mean, Soto is, like I said, I mean, he's turning into the player that he was supposed to be whenever he was picked 1-1. So, you know, I picked him thinking that he was going to be the best player in baseball. He sort of had a – I mean, he was good. He had a, in my opinion, a disappointing start to the season. That's why I was 
willing to move him to try and sort of jumpstart some things. Uh, obviously didn't work out so far, but we'll see. Um, but with Juan Soto, I mean, he's, he's just such a, um, a consistent player. Even whenever he was bad, he was still a good, like easy to uh, put in your lineup left fielder. So I, I think that that's why I ended up going with him. Whereas Austin Meadows, whenever he's bad, you know, he's striking out a bit more. And I think that Soto is probably just a more reliable everyday left fielder. Yeah. Tough to argue with that one. Soto is, uh, he is kind of turning back into the player that we thought he would be. He had, he was recently before we had the all-star break, but a lot of that has to do with him kind of elevating the ball. I'm, I'm interested to see if maybe I saw he did change his stance in the home run derby. I'm kind of interested to see if participating in that actually might do him some good in terms of uh, trying to put more lift under the, under the ball. Cause that was sort of, that's been a problem for him this year. Well, yeah, he's been hitting the, that's one of the reasons that I was willing to sort of let him go. And I mean, I still like my return from that trade. Don't get me wrong, but you know, one of the reasons I was willing to let him go is because he was just basically hitting the ball. He was either hitting it, you know, into the ground or into the third row. Like there wasn't really a, an in-between and I sort of, I don't, I don't really love whenever I see that, but um, you know, at the same time, it's just one adjustment from just crushing the ball, which he's apparently made and he's been doing now. So um, love to see that Juan Soto is really turning it around because um, it makes, you know, the West division even more competitive than it already was. So love it. Uh, my, my pick for left field was the breakout from Jerwin's team. That is his man, Jesse Winker. Yeah. Uh, he slowed down a little bit recently. It's not really, it's kind of slumping a little bit heading into the break, but still good for 3.28 points a game points per game. And he's still in the top 20 overall hitters. Uh, I, I thought about picking JD Martinez here, but I ultimately went with Winker instead. I just, I like the breakout instead of the guy who's kind of been here for a while, uh, but it was definitely close. Um, yeah, it seems like we've been waiting for Jesse Winker to arrive forever. He seems like he's kind of been a trendy sleeper for a couple of years. And then finally the year when everybody sort of throws their hands up and gives up on him, that's the year he breaks out. So, yeah, good pickup by, by Jerowin and definitely a worthy all-star. Uh, moving to center field, this one's definitely a little more shallow. So who do you have here? Yeah, um, this is another one where I was – I think that – you know, this is more of a, I had to get um, a player from, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think Eddie's team is pretty good. And I actually do have another player from Eddie, or two other players from Eddie's team in my lineup, but um, I decided to go with Cedric Mullins um, sort of, as you were saying, like a breakout kind of guy. I, maybe he's not, uh, I've just never legitimately never heard of him before um, until, you know, this year. And, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, you could go with someone like Mookie Betts, but I've, I've given Nate a lot of love. Um, so I, I figured I'd, I'd move away from that. Um, but his advanced numbers are actually pretty decent. Um, he's putting the ball in play a lot. He's hitting over 300. He's slugging over 500. He's having a good season. Um, and he's a guy that is really um, – I think he's doing well at seeing the fastball this year, um, which is – really you know good for hitters i mean he's 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 hitting the fastball very well he's also hitting the off speed pretty well as well so i i just think that you know cedric mullage is, is an interesting player um not someone that's you know 
gonna you know not a name that's gonna knock you off your socks but or knock your socks off but um I personally like him so yeah definitely a worthy pick there I Cedric Mullins was actually someone that I drafted for my worst ball team hmm. heading into the year because I figured last year he was pretty bad and he's gonna play every day so usually that's the that's kind of the formula for success in that league but yeah I dropped him pretty quickly because it was uh I don't I think that he sort of exploded out of the gate and he's kind of never looked back and yeah, Cedric Mullins is really, really kind of showed that uh, he sort of lived up to that potential that we thought he might have. And yeah, I, I don't think anybody saw him really as a as a sleeper outside of deeper leagues. But right. yeah, Eddie definitely got a got a good one there. Yep. Uh, so my center field, I kind of did the same thing. This is where I got Scott's player in here. Uh, I could have gone with Max Kepler, but I didn't because he was brand new to his team. I went with Rangers rookie Adolis Garcia, and uh, I don't love it, but, you know, I had to get somebody in here. And he was definitely the best player from Scott's team. He's not really he's not really a guy that I would trust personally in my lineup. There's a little bit too much swing and miss there. But when he gets hot, he's shown that he can pretty much put up points with the best of them. I know that there was a couple weeks of – well, I guess not a couple weeks, a couple months ago, uh, where he was up there with the best hitters in baseball. And uh, I think he might we might be seeing somebody who's streaky, but that kind of comes with – that's – that's always going to be the deal with somebody who has a lot of swing and miss in their game. Yeah. yeah. When he gets hot though, I think that, you know, he can be up there with some of the better hitters, but hopefully in this hypothetical all-star game is the time when he gets hot. And uh, <laughs> yeah, otherwise I might be in a little bit of trouble there. Uh, who do you have for right field? Uh, for right field? I got, this is a pretty easy one for me just because I really like the story. Nick Castellanos. Um, from Courtney's team, just having a real good season. Sort of another player, I feel like, where we've talked about, um, you know, the potential of this guy, and now he's really sort of fulfilling that. I think you guys talked about it a couple of weeks ago on a podcast, but he's having a, a great season. Again, just hitting the cover off the ball. Um, and it's just, he's, it's just a really interesting career because this is, I mean, the first season that he's really been – an everyday right fielder for uh, in terms of like being able to play him in fantasy, but he's just showing up. And I think that that's a great story. Um, I, and yeah, I mean, to be, I don't even, I think it was kind of weird that he was drafted when he was, but, or uh, by Courtney, but it ended up working out and he's just having a really, really solid season. Yeah. Castellanos has always been one of my favorite guys just because his stat cast numbers have always been, phenomenal the results just haven't been there and kind of the line was always like if he just leaves Detroit and then he got traded to the Cubs and was a monster for after that for the second half I think in 2019 and then he goes to the Reds which should have been which was a very favorable home park for him I think they did a home run overlay of uh, what he would have hit in what he where his his balls were hit in Comerica Park which is the Tigers Park which is one of the large one of the most spacious in the major leagues. And I think that they, they showed his, uh, they like overlaid where his fly balls went and he would have had like, I want to say it was almost 20 more home runs. If he would have played in, uh, if he would have played in, why am I blanking on the name? Great American ballpark instead of uh, Comerica. But yeah, I was one year too early on him last year. He kind of, he got off to a really good start and he uh, really struggled, but the stat cast numbers again, were still really strong. 
And uh, I wanted him again this year, but all my early picks were, were kept. So, yep. yeah, definitely a good pick there, though. Uh, one of my personal favorites. But my guy that I picked here was Kyle Tucker from Jordan's team. Uh, after kind of a rough start, he's gotten back on track. And I really, I really like the potential going forward for Tucker. I think that he can be a guy who is actually maybe a first or second round caliber hitter. Not that he hasn't been, but I think we can start to like, he just, when, when you watch him play, it's, he's a really nice swing. It's, there's not a ton of swing and miss. Uh, I, I really like the potential for him to be just a really, really well-rounded hitter. And I think that Jordan being able to get him, I, I think I said it before. I don't think I, I did not see it coming where he would get a keeper of his caliber, but I, I, he did a really good job getting him. Yeah. Kyle Tucker would be my all-star for right field. Uh, who do you have at utility? He could be any hitter here. Yeah. So I, I actually, I wanted to be true to, I didn't know if we were allowed to pick anybody or if we had to pick a person that's UT eligible. So I decided to be true and I went ahead and picked someone that's UT eligible who I also think is an interesting player, uh, Fran Reyes. That's who I got um, from Eddie's team, I believe. Um, he's interesting because he's, he strikes out a lot. I mean, he's a, you know, he's, he's one of those swing and miss hitters who has decent power. Um, I think he has like 14 or 15 home. Yeah. 14 home runs this season. So he's got decent power. He strikes out quite a bit, but he also um, is it's interesting because even though he has those high strikeout rates, he is someone who can get on base with relative um, consistency. So I think he's a really interesting player and the advanced metrics sort of are all pointing to that, you know, if he can just sort of figure out um, his plate discipline a little bit better, he's going to be an everyday sort of like elite player. That being said, I don't think that he will figure out his plate discipline since he's been right around 30% K percentage ever since he's entered the league. So, I mean, he'd have to make some pretty serious adjustments, but um, the launch angles are looking good. I mean, the expected slugging, everything that I sort of look at to value a good power hitter is good. And on top of that, he, gets on base a decent amount so um i i i was being true to the the rules and i picked a ut eligible player and i thought that framel reyes was the best go there well there's no problem for only picking a ut eligible player because i did the same thing i had to pick shohei otani here yeah who i thought was the pretty i thought he was the obvious the obvious choice even though i would have liked to get freddie freeman in the lineup somehow but there's really no arguing against the second overall hitter in the league right now uh, 3.62 points per game. It's that's, I don't believe that's including his points on the mound. No, that's just hitting. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really been a special take a drink season for Shohei Otani. He is a ton of fun to watch. Probably one of the most fun players to watch in all of baseball. What he's doing is really incredible. And I, I mean, I can't really say much more than what everybody else has been kind of saying about him. Yeah. I mean, Ultimately, it's, it's an, I just want to say it about him. It's an incredible story. And, you know, as someone who personally does not watch, like I, I don't really sit down and watch a full game of baseball unless a pitcher I really like is pitching uh, or a pitcher I have going is pitching just because I, I really love to watch pitching. Uh, I think that's the most interesting part of baseball. But I was watching a game, I think uh, the game where Tyon was uh, pitching against the Angels and Shohei was just taking him to the yard again and again and again. And it was genuinely one of the craziest things I've ever seen and sort of like reading the stats at how he's 
or what he's been doing over the past month is just unbelievable. And it's, it's just such a fun story. So I, I, I love that he's, you know, in the league. Um, and I think that he's a, I know that it's been said on the podcast before where it's not like your favorite player to play in fantasy because, you know, he can only really slot in that UT spot, but I, I think I'd, I'd take him on my team, team li- literally any day. So I really a fan of him. Yeah. When the, uh, it is kind of, it's, it can be a little bit inconvenient, but when the bat is as good as it is, uh, you'll deal with the bat. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to pitching. Uh, just a reminder, we got five starting pitcher spots and four reliever spots to fill here. Uh, we'll take it one by one like we were doing before. So Brennan, who you got, who do you have for your first part for your first oh. spot? Take a guess. Take a guess at who I got for my SP1. It's probably Max Scherzer. It's my boy, Mad Max Scherzer. My, I love the two-eyed wonder. He's my favorite player in all of baseball. And I really genuinely was for a half a second considering because pitching was so thin, taking him as 1-1, but I thought that would be kind of ridiculous. But he's just having a really good season. Um and I, I love him on Nate's team. I love him on any team. He strikes out people like crazy. Um, the expected batting average, again, something that I look at for pitchers and expected ERA are both, you know, very high. Uh, well, in terms of, you know, he's in the highest percentile for those. Um, spin rates sort of dropped a little bit. So maybe he was using something, whatever. Um, I think most pitchers that are elite were. He's got an ERA under three. He doesn't win a whole lot of ball games, not as much as he used to, um, but he's still going to go out there and give you everything he's got on every single pitch. And that's why I like him so much. He's just such a great competitor. He's got um, five good pitches that he uses pretty regularly. Um, I know that he mostly sticks to fastball slider changeup, but you know, he can throw the cutter and curveball. I, I just, I love him as a person. I love him as a player. So there's, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to put him as my SP one. Yeah, I definitely can't argue with that. My, my SP one's probably, probably just as obvious. It is the, the best pitcher on planet earth. And is Jacob deGrom. Uh, not a whole lot more to add from what we said last week, but yeah, it's, it's been probably the best pitcher season since steroid era, Pedro Martinez. And it's, it's been incredible to watch him just absolutely decimate lineups and make, make it looks like he's playing almost like an eight, like he's in, like he's playing an age group below in little league. Like he's just, he's the guy that hit puberty first and he's just absolutely blowing everybody away. Yeah. I don't, I genuinely don't know. Cause I, I haven't like looked into it. Did his spin rate go down with the change or is it always been? No, it's, it's, been pretty much identical to what it's always been okay yeah i mean he's i mean he's just a cheat code so that's not i was expecting you to put that there but i, I think that'd be a great matchup to grom versus scherzer but yeah i mean it happens a lot they're in the same yeah. division yep all right who'd you have at number two all right number two uh i had to get myself i if you notice i don't have a single person for my team in there yet uh but i had to get someone in and I got some people in the RP spot, but I also thought that I would put in Aaron Savale because uh, he is hurt right now. But before he's hurt, he's just um, a really good fantasy pitcher, in my opinion. Uh, he eats innings like crazy, um, and he is a, just someone that I 
personally really like, and I'm happy to have on my team for the next, uh, I think two years. Um, I think that he sort of is an interesting player in the fact that he gets hit hard. Um, he gets hit hard fairly often. He walks fairly often. Um, his expected ERA is not, you know, anything to, uh, to really fawn over. However, he consistently has a really low ERA. He consistently wins ball games and he's consistently goes deep into those ball games. So I think he's just sort of an anomaly of a pitcher where he's not striking out people at a super hard, high rate. He does get hit kind of hard. So you wouldn't really think that those two things go together, but for whatever reason, he just continually is able to get himself out of jams. He's continually able to just go deep into games. And that's sort of a, that's just a story I really like. So I figured I'd put him in there, show him some love. Yeah. So Volley definitely, definitely an interesting pitcher. I know he was kind of polarizing heading into the season. Some guys had him as a breakout, whereas some others I know had him, uh, they weren't so high on him, but my next pitcher, uh, I did, I, the top three on mine, I'll just say the other two right now. Cause I don't like, again, I don't really like talking about my own players, but I had to put in Garrett Cole and Walker Bueller because they're, they're number three and number six. Cole's kind of with his last start, he won a complete game and pretty much shut down the Astros. So it was, I think it was kind of validating that he doesn't, he doesn't really, I mean, like the sticky stuff isn't, isn't what makes the pitch, isn't what makes him Garrett Cole. And I did see an interesting story that his spin rates, even though they are down, they are right in line with what they were in 2018 when he would, when he originally broke out with the Astros, but moving past that, so that he's still the number three pitcher this year. Uh, I think he definitely deserves to be here. Same thing with Walker Bueller, who's gone six innings and in, I think just about every start. Uh, he's number six on the year. He's been pretty consistent. And I think that those two together would give me a kind of a solid top three here for my to start my staff. Yeah. So who do you have at number three? Uh, my third, um, I have Zach Wheeler. I think that that's a, you know, sort of going back to just taking the best player. I think that that sort of makes sense there um, from Courtney's team, obviously. And he's having a really good season again. You know, there isn't really much to say about him. I, I think that uh, he's a good keeper. He's a good player. Um, just a guy that, again, is has, I think he has an ERA under three, strikes out a bunch. It's just a really solid, you know, player that you could put in pretty much every week and expect at least, you know, if he's going twice, like, 50 some points out of them. So I'm a big Zach Wheeler fan and I think that was a good pickup. So I'll go ahead and pick, put him in there. Yeah. I absolutely love Zach Wheeler. I, I tried to trade for him a couple times and it's been uh, come up empty, but yeah, absolutely love him. I love the type of pitcher that he is. And I, I think it's funny that he could just like flip a switch and all of a sudden, well, now he's a big strikeout pitcher where that's never, that's always been kind of a problem area for him. He always gave you the volume and uh pretty solid ratios, but he's never really put together a big strikeout season. And now suddenly he is, I I think that's kind of funny, but my next pitcher is Trevor Rogers from Nick's team. A guy that we like to talk about a lot on this podcast because Nate dropped him earlier on in the year. Um, Yeah, definitely a breakout pick. Uh, The change, uh, he, he added a lot of velocity to his fastball this upcoming, this past season. And uh, it's really paying dividends with, having his other stuff also play up. He's got a pretty good change up as well. 
Uh, definitely a breakout pick. I, I like the fact that he plays for Miami, too, because Miami has a pretty good track record of uh, developing pitchers with Gallon. You have came up through their system. Uh, you also got a couple guys down there with Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara who are started, who are coming around. Uh, Miami has a lot of good pitchers there. They know how to develop their guys. And Trevor Rogers, I think, is just kind of the latest in uh, the string of success stories they've had there. Uh, I think the only concern with him in the second half is innings. I think that it'll be limited a little bit. But, hey, for this one, for this one all-star game that we're playing right now, that's not my concern. So All I'm right. taking Trevor Rogers here. Uh, who'd you have for your, what is your SP4? I think this is the final one, actually. Oh, is this the final one? Did I miss one? Yeah. Well, you went twice, remember, so this is my final one. Okay. Yeah. So, um, oh, no, no, you're right. You're right. I have one more after this. Um, so for my SP4, I feel like, you know, Nate's probably like crawling out of his skin that I haven't said this person. I just wanted to sort of make him squirm a little but. Um, I do have Kevin Gosman. I think that's an easy get. Um, I, it's he's just another weird player where you know he's having a really good season this year. Where you know recently he just has not been that pitcher. I don't know what changed this year. Um, even if you look at his advanced stuff, you know the pitches that he's thrown have basically been the same. I mean he's essentially a two pitch pitcher with the four seamer and the split finger, and then. You know, he'll throw a slider or a changeup in there every now and then. And I really personally don't like two pitch uh, pitchers because I feel like, you know, you can sit on one thing and then, you know, be right about half the time. Um, but for whatever reason, pit, uh, hitters are not able to, you know, see his fastball really at all. And the split finger is a really good put away. I, it's just a good combo right now. Um, the miles per hour, everything isn't really something to, you know, isn't something to gawk at. Uh, he's not a huge velocity pitcher, but he's just having an unbelievable season, and I would be remiss not to include him on my lineup. Yeah, Gosman's his splitter, normally I kind of shy away from pitchers who have, like, their top secondary pitches a splitter just because it's normally one of the more volatile pitches. Yeah. But, man, is his splitter really good. Yeah, that's it's pretty wild what he can. Well, it's the 10. I mean, he has a 10 mile per hour difference on it. And it's just I mean, as I said, I don't really love two pitch pitchers, but my favorite sequence in all of baseball is a is a four seamer and then some kind of off speed, whether it's the splitter or the slider or whatever. And he just works that to perfection. And I mean, I think his splitter this year has some kind of let me look. Yeah, his splitter whiff rate is over 50 percent. I mean, it's just ridiculous this year. That has to be one of the highest in the entire league. Yeah. But it's, he's, uh, his breakout's coming at a good time because he's a free agent at the end of this year. And, uh, the man is going to get paid. I don't know if it'll be by the Giants, but it's going to be by somebody. Yep. All right. So my last, I don't know. Yeah. My last pitcher, uh, is Jose Barrios from JC's team. Uh, he's also, he's kind of just a model of consistency. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. It might not be elite but it is still pretty good. And uh, in a, in a league where pitching can be very volatile, uh, I think that Jose Barrios's consistency is something that kind of goes underappreciated. Like I know that when a lot of people have drafted him, uh, who I've talked to, they're kind of like, ah, that's, I didn't really want him, but I still have him. Well, 
I think there's something to be I think there's something to be said for how consistent he is and the fact that you know exactly what you're going to get. I think that that's very underappreciated with him and he's still having a very good season. He's almost at 15 points per game and uh still very valuable. So yeah, Jose, I'm rounding out my staff with Jose Barrios. Uh who's your last pick? Yeah, I love that pick. I got Brandon Woodruff. Uh easy one for me to go with with Mike. Great great player having a good season. Um really just not much. I mean, I don't know how much more to add. I think he's a no doubt pick here. Um, so yeah, I'm going to just finish it out there. I love Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's, he's kind of, he's the anchor for my, for my Roto team. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of had a rough go of it in that league with a lot of injuries, but he's been kind of the one, the one steady hand there. Uh, definitely a good pick though. I, I like the, uh, the fastball is really good. He's got, he's got like a really, got a really complete arsenal he's able to throw five four or five pitches and he just kind of has that bulldog mentality where you know he's going to go deep into games and keep it close yeah. uh, so moving on to relief pitchers uh mine's not really a relief pitcher my first pitcher is carlos rodon who's broken out this season in a big way a fastball velocity jumps seemingly every single start and uh yeah i know we've talked about him quite a bit but Again, the only worry I might have with him is innings, but I mean, he's a free agent at the end of the year. So why do the White Sox care to limit him? Uh, The White Sox are, they're going to have an interesting top three there with uh, Giolito, Lynn and Rodon headlining the rotation. I think they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. But yeah, I I like Rodon a lot here. I think that he's, especially for his relief pitcher eligibility, he might be he might be the best keeper heading into next year. I think I'd still give the edge to Tatis just because of the longer track record, but it's really hard to deny the discount that you're getting with Rodon. Yeah. Uh, who'd you have for your first relief pitcher? Yeah, I don't think this should come as a surprise. Sort of similar thing. Uh, someone that's RP eligible, but it's Freddie Peralta. Um, I This is my favorite trade I've made in a long time to get Freddie P. Um, I think that he's just a really good um, – player to bet on I thought going into the year and I was really happy to add him to my team um you know the the numbers that I look at with him where I'm really a good or where I really like um about it is the I mean the case percentage is elite um and I really I'm a big fan the fact that he has a very low expected uh ERA and he has a low real ERA I mean he's just a good player who has been striking out people more and more as his career goes on. He's trending upward again this year. Um, and he really utilizes that fastball slider combo very well. Um, slider sort of being his put away pitch, but he also does a good job with the changeup or curveball. He throws that in there every now and then. I just think he's a insanely solid pitcher. I know he's had a couple not so great outings where the bullpen has let him down or his offense has let him down, but um, I, I will take Freddie P on my team any day and he is on my team. So there you go. Yeah. I would definitely take Freddie Peralta on my team, which I, I had in mm-hmm. week one. I yeah. think that was it. <laughs> yeah. I definitely regret that one. Freddie Peralta is, he's another guy like Rodon who's kind of a cheat code. Cause he's, he's putting up starting pitcher one numbers from your relief pitcher spot. And Really, you can't beat that in fantasy. It's that's kind of the that that is the cheat code, I think, in in all of at least in our format for fantasy baseball. 
Uh, but so now we're, I don't have any more Sparps for mine. My, the rest of my relievers are all just true relievers. The first of which is Rysel Iglesias, who's a guy who I never really, I never really liked. I always kind of thought he was overrated, but man, he is really, other than a rough first month, he has really turned in, he's really turned into quite the, uh, quite the elite reliever for the Angels. Gets a lot of opportunities. He doesn't, hasn't really squandered them recently. He's right up there with kind of the best of them. I, I started to look into it a little bit and over the last, uh, over the last couple months, he is right up there in terms of total points and points per game with the very best relievers. That includes Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, guys like that. And uh, definitely a rock solid guy to have on the team. Uh, a lot of opportunities and uh, he converts them and you can't ask for a whole lot more than that out of a reliever. Uh, who'd you have for your, for your next guy? Yeah, so I did have another spark. Uh, went ahead again, took from my team, which was uh, Luis Garcia. Just because I'm proud of this player. <laughs> I think he's a guy that I picked up a couple months ago um, whenever I was sort of looking for another good uh, SPRP player that I thought could slot into a lineup very well and sort of give me a, um, you know, a top SP level production. And he's done pretty much that, uh, you know, the last couple starts, not so much, but um, he still is, in my opinion, a very good um, relief pitcher who, or a person that can slot in that relief pitcher uh, spot, but who's going to get you, you know, innings, who's probably going to get you um, at least 12 to 15 points every single time he goes out there, which I really like. The strikeouts are up this year, which is great to see. Um, and I think a lot of that sort of has to do with the fact that he's introducing a little bit more of um, uh, the, he has a four seamer and a cutter. So I think of that, that, you know, the two variations of sort of um, faster pitches, and then he mixes it in with a very slow slider where I think it's under 80 miles per hour. Um, those three pitches, I think really are putting, uh, giving batters fits this year. So that's, personally why I picked him up because I thought that um, that introduction of the cutter would be really useful for a player like this, who's always been sort of a good pitcher, but really only has two pitches. And then adding that pitch, I thought worked very well and it has paid dividends for me. So Luis Garcia. Uh, just a fun fact on Luis Garcia. I think he's the third, I think he's the third major leaguer right now named Luis Garcia. Yep. I think there's, uh, there's definitely at least more than one. Cause whenever I was, Looking to add him, I almost added some bum who is like an outfielder or something. Yeah, I know that there's some somebody for the Nationals. I can't remember if he's an infielder or outfielder. I know there's another relief pitcher who's also named Luis Garcia, but I don't remember what team he's on. Uh, so my next my next reliever is Ryan Presley from Jarowin's team. Uh, this is a guy that I've liked for a long time, even before he rolled in. He was a he was a closer, uh, just a kind of another guy who's rock solid. Uh, he's got really high spin rates. I haven't, I, I have just full disclosure. I have not checked since the crackdown to see if his spin rates were down, which I probably should have. Cause I know that he was a very high spin rate, spin rate pitcher. I guess a ton of spin on that curveball. That's his kind of his bread and butter pitch. And yeah, he's a uh, place for the Astros. So there's plenty of opportunities there for saves. And he has just been another guy rock solid. I think that's kind of a theme with these relievers is you kind of, you want guys who aren't going to kill you with those blow up outings because there's nothing worse than a negative 20 spot just to kind of ruin your week. Yeah. 
Yeah, for uh, for my last two, I decided to go ahead and pick uh, both uh, just regular old closer relief pitchers. So I went one from Eddie's team, uh, Richard Rodriguez, to give the Pirates some love just because I don't think I have a single Pirate on here with good measure. But Rich Rod is a good you know closing pitcher. He's not going to get you all the saves, but sort of counterbalance that I finished up my relief pitching uh, team with Josh Hader from Courtney's team who – Again, it's just, you know, sort of the model of consistency um, for relief pitching. I sort of like think of it as he's what uh, Edwin Diaz is supposed to be, sort of a hard thrower who ends up uh, actually getting you saves pretty often. So I like Josh Hader, like Rich Rod, very comfortable with having them round out my RPs. Yeah, I've always loved Hader. This year he's really he's really uh, kind of delivered on that number one true reliever role he's putting up like low-end sp1 or crazy what he's done this year and rich rod i don't know how much longer he's going to be a pirate unfortunately well i guess it's probably not unfortunately because i'd rather than trade him to get some sort of prospect in return but my last uh my last reliever is a guy on my team craig kimbrell who's uh reverted back to uh, kind of the, what he was when he was with the Red Sox and he was the he was up at the very top of the relief pitcher mountain. Uh, the walk rate's gone way back down. Uh, strikeouts are up again. And he just looks like the guy that he was before where we were kind of drafting him as a top three, top five reliever. And uh, I, I like the story there because I thought that, like I think everybody did, that that was kind of, I don't think, I, I think that a lot of people didn't think we'd see that again. And I've always liked Kimberl just because he was one of the rare prospects who was brought up through the ranks as a closer, which is something you don't normally see. A lot of the relievers are kind of failed starters. They're not brought up through the minors to be relievers, but Kimberl was kind of the exception. And uh, he's always been a guy just because of that, that I've really, I've really liked just because it was, you know, it was different, but I'm glad to see him doing well again. I'm glad that he's on my team doing well. Uh, I don't like that he plays for the Cubs just because I hate the Cubs, but hopefully that changes soon. And, uh, yeah, so that rounds out our lineups. Uh, just as a recap, uh, for catcher, Brendan picked Buster Posey. I picked Salvador Perez. For first base, Brendan picked Matt Olson. I picked Vlad Guerrero. For second base, Brendan picked Jose Altuve. I picked Marcus Simeon. Third base, Brendan picked Jose Ramirez. I picked Rafael Devers. At shortstop, Brendan picked Fernando Tatis. I picked Trey Turner. In left field, Brennan picked Juan Soto. I picked Jesse Winker. In center field, Cedric Mullins. And I picked Adolis Garcia. In right field, Brennan picked Nick Castellanos. I picked Kyle Tucker. And for utility, uh, Brennan picked Fran Mil Reyes. And I picked Shohei Otani. For our starting, for our starting pitchers, Brennan had Max Scherzer, Aaron Savale, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gosman, and Brandon Woodruff. I had Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Walker Bueller, Trevor Rogers, and Jose Barrios. And for our bullpens, I had Carlos Rodon, Rysel Iglesias, Craig Kimball, and Ryan Presley. And Brendan had Freddie Peralta, Luis Garcia, Richard Rodriguez, and Josh Hader. So uh, before, we, before we head farther into it, do you have any honorable mentions that didn't make it into your lineup, either for your hitters or your pitchers? Yeah, I do have one, and it's Mookie Betts. Um, again, I sort of mentioned it earlier. I think that 
He's a great, I mean, I, I really like Mookie Betts a lot. Um, it was sort of just, I, I decided to lean towards um, Mullins just because of, you know, the, the fact that I had to get uh, Eddie in there more often. I had already put Nate, I think, two or three times by that point. Because Nate has a really solid team. Um, but Mookie Betts is obviously a guy that I, you know, would like to include. Same thing with Whit Merrifield. Uh, uh, yeah, Whit Merrifield, uh, also from Nate's team. I think that he's a very solid uh, second baseman. If he was on any other team, I think he'd be in every, uh, you know, in terms of fantasy, he'd be at every other, he'd be an everyday starting second baseman. Um, but, you know, Nate happens to have Jose Altuve. I'm not quite sure why he's deciding to play Andrew McCutcheon over Whitmerryfield and left field, but that's his own prerogative. Um, yeah, I, I, both of those players from Nate's team, I think, are honorable mentions. Yeah, I also had a couple. Of, most of them, honestly, were from JC's team. Freddie Freeman just missed. I mean, a lot of these guys were some were the case of the guy in front of them just being very good. I almost put in JD Martinez, but I wanted to put kind of the breakout pick in Jesse Winker. Uh, Bo Bichette was another one, but I just couldn't get him in there over Trey Turner. Uh, then my last honorable mention, or, or my, my last honorable mentions, are both from Jerowin's team. It's Max Muncy and Kyle Gibson who. Uh, both I wanted to put him in, but just couldn't quite justify Muncie over Simeon. Uh, it's very close. I think Muncie has him in points per game, but Simeon is pretty far ahead in total points. And uh, Kyle Gibson with the starting staff that I have, I just I couldn't quite. It was between him and Barrios, but uh, I think I like Barrios's consistency a little more than than Gibson. And Barrios has the track record, so I'll put him in. Kind of like what they do for the regular All-Star game. I'll give Berrios the uh, the legacy award there. <laughs> so moving on, we got our my standout player of the week, and that is Logan Gilbert, who had seven innings pitched with only one hit. That was the only blemish on his line. He had eight strikeouts and a win against the Yankees. And uh, this is a guy that I think could be kind of rounding into form here. Uh, he's a top prospect. He... Early on, I think I don't think he was. I think when he was early in the year, when he was struggling with uh, control and everything, that was kind of something that we hadn't seen before from him in the minors. Uh, I think he was just kind of kind of getting his feet wet, get, getting his confidence. But now that he's kind of figured out how to pitch in the majors, I think that uh, I think this is a guy who could be a top twenty pitcher going forward for the second half. Honestly, uh, it's impressive to see he, he he has a lot of velocity and I believe he's either six five or six six. So even though his velocity might not reach triple digits, it still looks that way to the hitters. Uh, I think this is definitely a breakout candidate. Maybe I'm interested to see what Courtney does here because she needs a lot of help uh, with most of her team being hurt. And this is a guy if she decides to trade him who might be able to provide it. But at the same time, maybe you want to keep him around because he's going to be an impact player going forward. So I'll be interested to see what she does here. Uh, yeah, my player of the week is Logan Gilbert. Moving on to matchup preview. Uh, Brendan, I'll let you lead off. What was your, What is your best matchup for this week? Well, I'm going to go ahead and stick with the, um, the I don't want to say praise for Nate that I've been giving him, but uh, I don't know what else to say. Um, Nate versus Jordan, I think that is my favorite matchup looking into this week just to sort of see – you know, can those pretty petite princesses just keep this ball rolling or uh, will, uh, you know, Nate's juggernaut of a team sort of roll them over as well. Um, 
I personally don't see Jordan coming out on top of this one. Um, I think it, I think it might be closer than people expect. Um, but in, you know, in my opinion, I just don't see, um, I just don't see Jordan's team being able to pull it out. Um, then again, who knows? I mean, fancy baseball is weird, but um, that's my favorite matchup going into this week. Yeah, it's hard to pick against the a Jordan and Nate matchup just for like the, I guess, I guess you could call it off the field stuff that goes into it. Like the trash talk is always fun, although I don't know how much there's going to be considering the state of their teams at this point. That's why we got to get these matchups in early when it's, you know, they're both trying, but I think that there's a pretty big difference right now. No disrespect to Courtney's team. It's just, I think there's a right now in the state that her team is in. I think that there's a pretty big difference between Nate's team and her team. And Jordan already got lucky with, uh, with the throw the kitchen sink approach with all those two start pitchers working and, you know, not a whole lot of them absolutely bombing. So I, don't know, I guess that kind of spoils my pick. Not that it would, not that it's some big spoiler, anyways. But my best matchup, I have Eddie and Jerwin. Uh, these are two teams that are right neck and neck for the playoffs. Uh, whoever wins this is kind of going to have the edge here with the two of them. They're either they're, they might either be tied. Maybe they'll be. Uh, maybe if Jerwin wins, he he might separate himself. Maybe put Eddie away here. But yeah, I think that this is a matchup that has a lot of stakes for it, especially so close to the trade deadline. Uh, this was one where, depending on which way it could go, one team or the other could be on the outside looking in come deadline day. And who knows? I know that Jerowin's pretty set on buying until, kind of fighting until the end here. But who knows if he's on the outside looking in, how that might affect his mindset. And uh, same with Eddie. Who knows if he's if he might try to buy if he's in the playoffs come deadline come deadline day as opposed to out of it. So that was definitely my best, my best matchup there because of the stakes attached. Uh, Brendan, what is your thing to watch for this week? All right. Well, it's sort of giving away our prediction uh, segment that's going to be coming up, but my thing to watch for is whether or not my team can actually beat the median this week. Um, not, a, you know, not the most confident in the world. I think I only have seven pitchers, which is, not what I like to see. I certainly, you know, to be honest, don't expect me to beat um, your team just because I think it's, you know, pound for pound, pound for pound better. Um, here's the thing that I'll say about my team sort of, to, you know, defend it, I guess, for a little bit. Cause I know maybe some people think that, you know, I've lost whatever it is matchups in a row. I'm sort of floundering what's, what's going on. Um, I think that my team is very injured. First of all, um, and a lot of it I can't really control. Um, you know, Santana going down is just another thing that's, you know, not the best for me. I have him right now in the UT spot. Maybe he'll play a couple games this week. Maybe he won't. We're not sure. I already mentioned Carson Kelly is a player who was unbelievable in the catcher position. I think he was the best catcher in the league for a while. Then he got hurt and hasn't really recovered since. I don't have to say anything else about Brian Buxton that hasn't already been said. He was an MVP MVP candidate and then he got hurt. Same thing with uh, my pitchers now. Aaron Savale been hurt for a while. Zach Plezak's been hurt for a while. Zach Allen, who I just got, ends up getting hurt. And my boy, uh, the ginger freak, Dustin May, has been out with UCL Tommy John for months now. So 
I just think that my team's very hurt right now. Um, and I think that, you know, if I can end up sort of being the median, maybe some sort of prove to myself that I should still be in contention, then uh, we'll see what happens on the trade deadline. But I'll just say right now that if I fall up short, then you might see some heads start to roll. I'll preface that. Yeah, I sort of had something similar for my thing to watch for. It's Since we're less than two matchup periods uh, left before the trade deadline, I know we're about two and a half weeks away, but this week's an extended week, and then next week uh, our trade deadline will be completed before that matchup is decided. So really, uh, whatever the record is at the end of this week, that's going to be the record heading into the trade deadline. So I think that since we're so close, uh, what are the fringe teams going to do is the thing to watch. Uh, I think maybe we start, maybe, maybe Sam kind of reverses course a little bit. If he's still right there, uh, I know it'll be interesting to see what Jerwin does. Same thing with you. If you've kind of already talked about it, you're, you're in the playoffs, but your team's been, uh, been sliding a little bit. And uh, Eddie is the same, the same deal. It, it's nice that we have a couple teams that are kind of clustered right there where you, you don't really know what they're going to do. And um I think it'll be interesting to see at the end of this week. I, I think we'll, I know that people start planning for the trade deadline ahead of time. And I know that I'm going to start kind of texting a couple of these teams to figure out uh, where their heads are at. Uh, yeah. I think that's going to be something that they'll decide ahead of the trade deadline and not necessarily towards the end of next week or the end of uh, two weeks from now. So moving on to matchup predictions, Nate's record is 45 and 21. I am right behind him at 41 and 24. And uh, I guess I'll have to be off one week so that since I'll have one week's worth of matchups on him, I must for, and nobody wants to do win, wants to decide it by winning percentage. Yeah. So I'll have to, I'll have to take a week off at some point here before the end of the season. Uh, but our first, our first matchup is between the two of us. That is my team versus Brendan's team. Uh, Brendan, who do you have here? I already gave it away. I'd be shocked if I pulled out a victory and head-to-head points against you. Um, I mean, your team's – I don't – I haven't spoken much about your team because I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, it's just – it's a very good – you got a good team. You uh, seem to do this every year, which is really annoying, but um, you pull out, you know, with at least one unbelievable ace. You have three this year, which is just – really just infuriating. Um, and then, you know, you have a solid hitting lineup as well. Um, I, I'd go ahead and say that it's very possible that Jake DeGrom will score more than score more points on his own than basically like four of my pitchers that are going this week. So um, yeah, I don't think it's a surprise to say that. I think that you're going to blow me out of the water this time. I think one of those matchups, I believe he's lined up right now to face the Pirates. So you yeah, may be may be right about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my team here too. I like uh, during extended weeks is kind of the uh, that's the that's sort of the format right now that would benefit a team like mine where pitching is the strength. So I tend to lean towards that. Uh, next next matchup we have was my best matchup. That is Eddie versus Jerwin. Uh, Brendan, who do you have here? Um, I, I, I want to, and this is more of a gut. I picked Eddie and there isn't much of a rhyme or reason to it. Um, he's also been sliding a little bit. Um, 
and Jerwin's team has been doing better recently. Um, I don't think that there's a specific, you know, science to this. I, I just sort of, my gut was telling me that Eddie was going to pull this one out. So went ahead and picked him. Yeah. Well, I know right now that uh, Jerwin's team is kind of hurting. I know Ian Anderson is going to go on the disabled list with a shoulder injury. I don't know when, I think Aaron Nola is only on the COVID IL, but I mean, really it's anyone's guess when he comes back from that. Uh, I'm going to go with Jerwin though. I think that he has, think that he'll pull it out. I think it'll be close. Um, in in his, with his team being hurt, though, I'm not sure if Jerwin will get to the median. It'll kind of it'll kind of depend on you know how that's going for the week. But uh, yeah, I think Eddie's team's been stumbling a little bit recently. I maybe we're starting to see him because he was kind of a surprise that he was climbing back into the playoff hunt. So maybe things are just kind of leveling out now. But yeah, I'm going to go with Jerwin here. I think he is the better team, even with some of the injuries and doesn't really have a whole lot of depth at starting pitcher is something that I noticed, but I'm sure that'll be something he addresses at the trade deadline. Uh, so moving on, we have the pretty petite princesses, Jordan versus number one contender, Nate, uh, Brandon, who do you have here? Yeah. I mean, I think that this is, this was my pick for the uh, matchup to watch, but I uh, got ahead, going to go ahead and say that uh, Nate will pull it out. Um, just again, purely because Nate has two more pitchers going, honestly, I think that, um, I think that this one might be closer than people think. Um, you know, the, those pretty petite princesses have been showing up recently in the past couple of weeks. So I think that Jordan's team might still, you know, maybe even beat the median. Um, but I just think that Nate's team is too good to really knock off head to head. So I'll go with Nate. Yeah, I would like to pick an upset, but I I don't really see it. I mean, yes, he did up, just upset Courtney's team, but it Courtney's team had like three guys that were on the injured list during that during that matchup and yep. I mean, I'm I'm talking not just like hurt, I'm talking like in her starting lineup and got hurt there, but I, I, like I said before, I think there's a pretty big difference between Courtney's team and the state that it is right now and Nate's team with the way it's rolling. And uh, really, I just can't bet against Nate's, Nate's team with the way things are going for him right now. Uh, so next, our next matchup is Big Money Mike versus Pine Run Market, which I guess I should have mentioned before was my honorable mention for best matchup this week. Uh, Brendan, who do you have? I went with Mike here. Um... I think this is a really interesting matchup considering, you know, where these guys are in the standings um, sort of in terms of, I know that they're um, they're in different divisions, but if you look at the combined standings, they're right there next to each other. Uh, they're pretty close. Uh, I think they're at four and six right now. And, you know, Mike's offense is something that um, I'm a real big fan of. And I think it's going to sort of propel him to, you know, maybe pulling up. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it an upset. Not really. I mean, they're, they're pretty close in terms of uh, the teams with each other, but I think that he is going to, uh, Mike is going to end up, you know, getting the victory in this one. Yeah. I'm also going to roll with big money, Mike here. I think that he's going to get revenge for that week nine loss. Uh, even though Nick does have, I believe it lines up right now to be a pretty significant starter advantage in terms of just volume. I, I like, I like the team that Mike has right now. It looks like he's another one where, it, it, he's kind of been rolling lately and I don't know. I just, I really like the team that Mike's put together. I think that it's, it can be, a, it can score up there with the best of them. I think he's a pretty high floor now and I'm going to roll with Mike here. 
So our next matchup, we have Sam versus Scott. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead off, and I say that I have Sam. I don't really have much more to add beyond that. Brendan, do you have a different opinion here? No, I got Sam as well. Uh, I think the only person Scott's beat so far is yours truly, so I don't think that's going to change. Got Sam with this one. All right, so moving on to our last one, we have JC versus Courtney. Uh, Brennan, who do you have? So um, I know that Courtney's team is um, getting a little bit healthier, um, but I still am going to go ahead and pick um, JC. I really like JC's team. Um, and I think that, you know, similarly uh, where you were praising Logan Gilbert, I, I do like him, but at the same time, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to be a guy that's going to go out and, you know, get you 15 to 20 points every single time he goes out there. And right now you sort of have him replacing someone like uh, you Darvish who, you know, that, that point differential is going to be pretty big. So I'm going to go ahead and go with JC. Um, however, I think it'll be pretty close. Yeah. Considering the weeks that they just had, it's tough. It would be tough to pick against JC in the spot. Uh, Courtney's team is really taking a beating in these last couple of weeks in terms of injuries. Uh, but yeah, the replacement players that are not really anything close to the, uh, the stars that have gone down. And I, I think this is the week where Nate actually overtakes her for, um, for first place. Cause I want, I like, I could see another week where she finishes below the median, especially without Darvish, without Acuna and uh, some of these other guys. So yeah, I, th- I think that uh, JC is going to pull out the win here, and uh, I think that Courtney kind of needs to show a little more urgency with uh, with improving because uh, she could fall out of it. Well, not fall out of it because it's a playoff. She's I think she's actually clinched a playoff berth at this point, but yeah. she could fall out of um, fall out of the division. Uh, well, winning the division uh, pretty fast if she doesn't turn it around soon. So that moves us on to our around the league segment. Uh, first, I'll lead off with our league history fact. And uh, for this week, I just went back since this is the extended week. I know that we have it's like week one and then whatever week the all star week is. Uh, those have always been kind of the extended weeks where the matchups are sort of a week and a half long. Uh, so I went back and I looked and see how everybody's performed during those during those two matchup periods. And uh, to kind of tallied up the wins for those that includes this year for week one. So. Tied for first with the most wins is, is Courtney and Brendan. They, they each have seven apiece in these extended weeks. And second is me. I have six. Fourth is JC. He has five. Next, we have a tie between Nate and Sam with four apiece. Jerwin has two. Jordan has one. And Mike is still searching for that first extended week victory. Uh, he does not have one yet. So that is my, uh, that is my league history fact of the week. Uh, just kind of the extended week extended week stats uh brendan are you surprised at all that you've had that many extended week wins that seems like your kind of your forte here no of course not i um i thrive in these situations um i think that you know platooning pitchers is something that i really like to do i'm sure that i have a lot of those wins because of the fact that i probably have in each season, at least one SPRP or SPARP, as you guys like to say, uh, who is reliable. That's sort of my strategy every single time. So, uh, no, I, I, I'm surprised. Will that happen this week? Probably not, but um, not surprised. Yeah, I think that also goes into uh, 
you always winning these playoff matchups is those are also, I mean, technically those are also extended weeks, two weeks or a little bit longer, but still you have a lot of success story in those. Yep. All right. So for our next segment, it would normally be Jordy, the general sports book, but because the games do not start, we don't have a full slate until Friday. A lot of the rotations aren't lined up yet. Uh, Fantrax is having a little bit of trouble projecting, uh, basically doing their projections. So we kind of base the spreads and the totals off of. So we decided we are going to wait until Thursday or Friday to actually release the spreads and all the stuff for the sports book. And because of that, that means that we can't have any locks. So unfortunately there will be no segment on the podcast. There will be, however, uh, we will still have the sports book. It will just be later on in the week after we record this. Uh, so moving on to news and notes. Uh, our first one is Eloy Jimenez, who tore his peck in spring training trying to rob a home run for whatever reason. Uh, he's just begun a rehab assignment with high A. Uh, he could be back as soon as late July or early August. So, Brendan, I'm going to have you fill in the blank. Eloy Jimenez will be a top blank left fielder when he returns. This year or just next year in general? Just the, re- just the rest of this year. Uh, I – say top 15 just to be safe um i'm not big on people coming back in the i know that it's a torn pack but you know i think how's that going to affect the swing so i'm going to say top 15 to be safe yeah that's fair i think left field's probably a deeper position too and i believe that's his only position so yeah i think i agree with that uh so i doubt that the white Sox will allow him to play the field after he tried to win a gold glove in spring training uh, so I doubt that he's going to play the field at all this year. It'd probably be probably be confined to DH, which would mean that he's going to be DH only heading into next year. Uh, how high would you be willing to draft Eloy next year? I know that he'll probably be kept, but how high would you be willing to draft Eloy next year if he was a DH only player? So I'm really, unless it is um, Shohei, you know, going into that, um ut spot i'm not usually a big fan of people that you can just put in the ut spot and because he's really only had two seasons of this i mean i'm not sure if i would that's really tough i I don't think i would certainly take him in the first five rounds you know maybe seven through ten um i know that might be maybe a bit controversial but I think, you know, in the 7 through 10, if he was still there, I'd probably uh, think about more seriously taking him. But um, I don't even know. I think he might fall past the 10th round for me. Yeah, I don't think I would let him go that long. But it is certainly tough because he's not quite elite enough. Like, he's not at that Shohei Otani level, certainly. He's not at the Jordan Alvarez level where I would sort of be like, it's okay that he's in the utility-only spot he's kind of like one tier below that. So it, it still would be kind of, I don't know. It, it, I don't like, the, I don't like that either. I'm with you where I don't like the, I don't like the DH only players where if they're not really elite, but I don't think I'd quite let him slide that long. Maybe I, I, I might consider him at like the six, seven range. Maybe. I don't know. It, that, it, it's tough. Cause it's once, once he's filled there, you kind of just stare at that lineup spot. Like, yeah, And I, I didn't want to do that, but because it sort of handcuffs you later in the draft. But moving on to our next one, Josh Bell was started, was spotted uh, putting in some outfield work for the Nationals. 
Uh, if we remember way back when he was in the Pirates minor league system, he was originally a right fielder before shifting to first base. Uh, Bell is really not known to be a very good fielder at all. He has been below negative 10 D war, which is basically defensive war. Every se- every full season he's played, moving him out back to the outfield, to me at least seems like a disaster waiting to happen. I don't know if the Nationals will actually go through with it or not, but that just feels like a bad idea. So I'm going to pitch you a scenario here. It's the bottom of the ninth. There's two outs, and you need somebody to make a play. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily be, need to be like a fly, a fly ball versus ground ball thing. You just need just need an out. Oh, if you had to choose one of the following players, who are you picking to get that out? You got Josh Bell, Pedro Alvarez, Gregory Polanco, or Colin Moran. God, that's terrible. Um, what are they all position playing infield? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just you need an out. I like might it could be a, no, like, I might go with Josh Bell. Honestly, I think that. I would not go with Pedro Alvarez because I just don't trust him at all. Um, I think I might go with Josh Bell. He's made some decent little plays uh, in, in a Washington national uniform defensively. So maybe I'd go with uh, Josh Bell. Just maybe that's a little bit of recency bias, but I'll go with him. Yeah, it's, it's a tough choice for sure. I definitely can't go with Pedro because he'll, he'll put the ball like, six rows deep although there's that netting now that might might save him yeah it might bounce he throws so hard it might bounce back right into the first baseman's glove who knows yeah does that that's still probably out of play i don't know i don't know the rules with that i would uh, yeah yeah. i i can't get the image of gregory polanco tripping over get or uh, i guess getting attacked by the turf monster in wrigley definitely couldn't take him i don't know between moran and bell that's a pretty tough choice I mean, it's been more than one time in his career for Polanco, right, where he's been hurt either running the base pass or running in the outfield trying to get a ball. So, Yeah, he reminds me of, like, one of those blow-ups in front of a car dealership where they're just, like, I don't, they're just, like, going all over the place. And yeah. Just, just watching him run, is just, it looks awkward. It's just interesting, yeah. yeah it's he, so weird because he has – whenever he connects and he has a really good swing, he has one of the best-looking swings – but he is just horrible to look at in every other facet of the game. Yeah, he just – I guess uncoordinated is probably a good word. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. So moving on to the next one, Chris Sale threw two simulated innings on Saturday, and uh, he's set to begin a rehab assignment this week. He likely won't be back, though, until at least mid-August. I believe that the Red Sox are on record as saying that they're going to kind of slow play him. Uh, they want him to be fully healthy before he's back. Uh, how confident are you in Chris Sale regaining his previous form? I think that, he, again, it's sort of sort of similar to Eloy, you know, not necessarily this year. Um, next year, very confident. Um, I really like Chris Sale as a, as a pitcher. Um, would I be comfortable playing him in August if he was on my team? I, I don't think so, um, just because, you know, he's probably not going to get that many pitches. He's probably not going to get all that many innings, but, you know, with a full healthy off season, I don't see why he can't return to at least some version of his old self. Um, I really, I have a, a bias towards lefty pitchers being a lefty myself. So big fan of Chris sale, but this year I don't quite see him, you know, coming anywhere close to what he was. Uh, so follow up to that. If he does return, I'm assuming you don't think that this will be the case, but will he be able to lead Sam to a wild card spot? 
No. No. <laughs> All right. Rank I don't how think he'll confident. Throw more than 65 pitches in a game. So. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it'll be a. I, don't, I think it'll be a little bit before they actually build him back up. So maybe we don't see like Chris Sale unleashed until. Yeah. September, if at all, honestly. Yeah. Uh, how confident we'll, we'll have you rank how confident you are in the Tommy John pitchers. Uh, this is going to be excluding this season. This is going to be heading into next season. So, like draft season next year, how would you rank these guys? Chris Sale, Luis Severino, Noah Syndergaard, and Mike Clevenger. Okay. Um, I think my number one would be Luis Severino for number one for who I'm most confident in. Now he has been, has he played, has he thrown a baseball in like, obviously he's thrown, but has he played a game in the last two years? Uh, he was back at the very end of 2019 and into the playoffs for the Yankees. And then that's when he, like I, I, he did, it was weird. Cause he didn't even get Tommy John surgery until like spring training next year, but he said right, they, they kinda, he could feel something was off. It, it was weird. It was a really it was a very mismanaged situation right. from the Yankees and Severino and, but I, I, I think that based on, you know, what I, you know, with these other pitchers with Thor, you said Thor like Syndergaard, right. And sale. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Clev um, with sale and Syndergaard, I sort of, they're, they're getting a little bit more up there in age and I, I'm not as confident that the body will bounce back as it once did. Um, but with Severino, I, I think that you can meet that old potential that he has. So, um, I'll put him at number one and Clevenger at number two, similar reasons. I think that, you know, just can bounce back a little bit easier. And then I think I'm going to go with sale and then Syndergaard. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough. They're, they're pretty close and there, there is still a lot of unknown with all these guys. Cause I know that Severino hasn't even started like an actual rehab assignment. Uh, I don't think Clevenger's even throwing yet. No, I don't and uh, I don't, I, I know that Syndergaard had a setback and it shut down. It was shut down. Uh, I'm not sure how long though. Uh, so moving on, we got Pete Alonzo won the home run derby yesterday with a very impressive display. The dude was absolutely locked in. He was meditating before his, before his turn he was bounced into the music. I don't even think that it was the music in the stadium. I think he was just playing something on repeat in his head. And uh, he hit 74 home runs in total, uh, the longest of which traveled 514 feet. So, if, so Brendan, if we were to go to Coors Field and I was to throw you batting practice, how many hits would it take you to get a cumulative distance of 514 feet? 514. <laughs> I mean, no, fit, no faith in yourself. I haven't, I haven't swung a baseball bat since I was in eighth grade, I think. Um, so it, it would take a bit now, you know, back in the day, back in, you know, Penn Trafford little league, I was quite the outfielder, but I was never known for my hitting. Um, that being said, I did have one home run that went foul back in uh, fifth grade. I'll never forget it. Um, but I would not bet on myself. Let me be realistic. 514 feet. I would have to maybe like maybe I put like a couple over the infield every now and then and I'll go with 100 maybe. Okay. Yeah, I mean I would I probably wouldn't be too much better. Yeah. But I don't have much faith. In I don't myself. know, although in course field 
You know, you got that. The if I have those juice balls too, who knows? Maybe I'll pop yeah. one up. But you got to give a shout out. Got to give a shout out if you're going to shout out Pete Alonso, the, the guy that was throwing, Dave Jouse, former pirate coach, by the way, up until what, like 2019 or something? He, uh, he was absolutely peppering that strike zone right where Alonzo wanted it every single time. I'm not sure if you saw the the thing on Twitter that where it was like where the home run pitches were. Did you see that in the, in the Like zone? the strike zone plot? Yeah. Yeah, I did. The exact same spot every single time. You got to you got to give Dave Jouse some love here. Former pirate, love to see it. Um but yeah, Alonzo obviously it's really fun. I also saw like Alonzo made more in the home run derby than he's made in his entire career so far. He's a, uh, he's just an interesting player. Again, I know I said that a lot with all these guys, but you know, he's, he's saying afterwards that he's the best power hitter in the league. I, I mean, I guess you can't necessarily disagree with him. He just won the home run derby twice in a row. However, like he just doesn't seem like he's ever this locked in as the plate. Like he cares so much about the home run derby and then, doesn't care as much, you know, on a regular Tuesday at one o'clock or whatever it is. But um, yeah, Dave Jow's got to give him some love. Yeah, definitely. I wonder how, um, wonder how important that is. Like if you have a good, like, a, I, I wonder how much, how much weight you have to give to like the batting practice pitcher. Well, Otani's never derby. comfortable. I don't know if you, did you watch the Derby? Yeah. I thought Otani's never, he was throwing practice pitches he was like warming up he threw some outside of the zone completely i don't think he looked comfortable at all where my boy joust over here is just throwing he's pepper in the zone exactly where alonzo wants it so yeah like i wonder how much of a difference that makes yeah if he's like just like his joust was an absolute machine yesterday yeah i I, I did notice that too where some of these other guys yeah or so like some of these other pitchers, and I have noticed that in the past, have been like they, there's been some bad batting practice pitchers in the home run derby. Yep. It's like torpedoed guys' rounds because they're, you know, you can't put them there, they can't put them out. So well, there were I saw there was one with Otani where I think it was the first pitch of the swing off was like outside away that he didn't even like he just scoffed at it. Like, what was he supposed to do with that pitch? I mean, they were just they were not 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 the best ones, but yeah. Yeah, I know I don't have this on the notes, but I have to ask, is is a locked-in version of Pete Alonso where he is meditating first and bouncing up and down, is that the modern-day Barry Bonds? Oh, it has to be. I mean, yeah, I think it's Barry Bonds and uh, Hank Aaron having a love child, and that's what Pete Alonso is whenever he's meditating. Yeah, he should probably start doing that before every game because, I, like you said before, he seems like way more excited about this than, and locked in than like winning a world series or anything like this. It feels like winning the home run derby is like the top of his mountain. Well, and that's like, mean, what he cares about. If you think about it, as I, I think I brought it up earlier, but he's, he, he's made more money in his career in the home run derby than he has playing for the Mets. I think it's like 2 million versus 1.5 million, something on his entry level contract. So why wouldn't you, if you're him, treat that like the world series every single time that you go. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. So moving our last notes item here is although the home run derby was on last night, a much more important event also took place. And that was the celebrity softball game. Yeah. Uh, so if we were to, if we were to be picking for maybe like a low expectations league softball game, uh, who are some guys who you'd want on your team? 
Um, are we doing like a draft? Like we're each picking one here or what? Uh, just give it, just give me like a couple guys that you think would be, would be good. All right. My, my first pick, I'm, I'm going to go purely just cause he has dad strength. I'll go with Sam. Um, maybe his brother Bryce. I don't, does he still play baseball like college or something? Wasn't he supposed to go play college baseball? I, I actually don't know. So. Yeah, I know well, he was supposed to, I don't know if he did. Yeah. Maybe he can give him some pointers. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Sam will have the dad strength and he'll just like pop a couple over the fence for me. Um, I'd also maybe consider Jerwin. Now let me preface this by saying I've, I haven't seen Jerwin do anything athletic in my entire time of knowing him. Um, I don't think that, I don't know if he is athletic. I don't know if he has an athletic bone in his body. I remember that he did play for our high school deck hockey team. I think don't remember it being that great of a fit. However, um, for some reason, I just sort of, I, I can always picture Jerwin in a headband. And um, whenever I see Jerwin in that headband, I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? He's going to give me everything he's got. Um, so I'm going to put him, he's sort of like a, a glue guy in the locker room. I've heard stories of Jerwin being a very good wiffle ball pitcher. I've never seen it, I've, but I've no, heard the what? stories. Okay, I was going to say there was there's this vague memory in my head where I like the first time I ever remember like people actually like caring about wiffle ball. Uh, we had in the warehouse like Dan, our old pastor, made this like cutout. Do you remember like the cutout strike zone that he made? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jerwin was I went into the warehouse one day where uh, I think Nate had an internship or something there. And I walked in and Jerwin is just peppering the zone with whipple balls over and over again. I'm like, what are you doing here? Don't you like have a life? And he was just throwing over and over and he was like bending the ball like crazy. So I, he is a good whipple ball pitcher. Now that you brought that up, that memory came to mind. Yeah. He just like, he strikes me as someone who'd be good at that too. Cause you know, you can, he's got like the tall lanky frame, probably yeah. get some good spin. Spin rates are probably good. Spin rates I, are I think. Elite. Yeah, they're probably uh, they're probably up there. Like, if you give him a sticky substance, he's probably striking guys out left and right. Yep. But yeah, I, I JC is another one. I would I would say just because I've heard that he can hit a ball 414 feet dead center off of Jacob Degrom. Or no, that's Nate who can do that. Yeah, Nate. I mean, just the most insane argument that I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I I would say uh, I would say maybe Jordan too, just because uh, I, I believe that Jordan has some softball experience, so he's he's I'm kind of bringing the uh, the veteran on the team. I don't know if it was any good or not, but yeah. I know that he's played. Uh, yeah, I, I think that he's another one I might I might pick just for the just for the experience. I think that if you know people listening to this are you know I think that I should be probably the last person to pick however let me say this uh, for myself as I said I was an all-star fielder back in the day so if you really need someone to go out in left field and um, make at least one play every nine innings for your softball team you know I think I'm your guy but other than that uh, you might want to stray away from me uh, I'm, I remember you were a pretty good baseball player so I'm surprised that uh, you didn't even pick yourself I, I would have you would have been my third pick for sure. Well, I, I didn't think that I could pick myself because I thought I was like on 
on a team already. Sure, that makes sense. Well, I mean, I wouldn't pick myself anyways, but yeah. I, I probably would have uh, maybe I, I'd probably pull something or, you know. Yeah, you were always, you're always hurt. Yeah, you'd tear yeah I, I have like the I'm, I'm built in the uh, the Giancarlo Stan Aaron Judge mold, not in height or stature, but in, you know, like injury proneness. So that, that wraps us up for this episode. Brendan, do you have any closing thoughts for us? I uh, just want to reiterate that there's no way that anyone in this league, especially Nate, could ever hit a Jacob DeBrom fastball, no matter how many tries. Um, and that's really all I have to say. You just remind me, all those stupid arguments that people have, there's just 0% chance. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. And uh, yeah, that wraps us up for this episode. Uh, thanks, Brennan, for coming on. Uh, maybe if you... Maybe we'll have to have you on again at some point whenever Nate's back. We could do the three of us. Or uh, I know that you and Sam were talking about maybe taking an episode sometime. You guys will have to have to get back to us on that one. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that wraps us up for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace.